Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hi Jackie, I'm not sure about this. Um, what's he called? Oh, that's better. Filter. A bit dark. That. Um, yeah. Welcome to another Q and A with uh, yours truly. Any questions uh, in the plastic surgery world? Gratefully received, and always, always delighted to see that people have responded to the sticker. And we've got two uh, sticker responses, which I will um, answer in initially. Um, just made a note, I don't know how to get them up here. There's probably, actually, there, there you go. Why is calves liposuction not offered a lot? Do you do it? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't do it. And I agree, it's not offered a lot. I think it's not offered a lot because there's not much fat in the calves and it's quite hard to to contour it and it's just not something I've got much experience of. I, I don't know if there are people out there who have got experience of calf liposuction, but I would imagine it'd be quite hard to do because the calves are made up an awful lot of muscle and not much fat. And the risk with liposuction is creating contour deformities, particularly when there's not much fat. Because if you take away too much fat and you get a little um, bit of scar tissue going between the fat and the or between the skin and the muscle, then you could be in um, in trouble trying to fix that. So it's not really a, for me. Liposuction is really good if you have got a localized area of fat that is a problem, particularly after weight loss. So it's not really something that you would do for people who are overweight. So if you've lost weight and there's an area of fat that's uh, that's a problem, then liposuction is good. But sort of contouring a whole calf, um, I have had people ask for it, and I and I understand it when I see them. But it is a little bit difficult to do from a surgical point of view. And and to be honest with you, it's just not something that I personally have got uh, experience of. And and as I say, I don't even know if there is someone out there who does a lot of calf liposuction. Um, maybe there is. Um, in which case I'll refer my um, calf liposuction patients to him, but it's uh, or her, but it's a um, or them. It's not a um, common uh, request, and when it is requested, I can't really see a localized area that I can do uh, anything for, and it's usually sort of globally the calves are a little bit big, and uh, and ankles as well. I think people sometimes ask for, so it's not really something that I. Um, um I, I can't really see how to address it. So uh, in answer to the question, why isn't it, isn't it offered much? I think that, I think it's not as, uh, that common a problem, I think. I mean, maybe it's I don't see people because I don't offer it. Maybe that's the way around it is. Maybe it is a common problem that I'm just not seeing. But um, but from a surgical point of view, it's difficult to know how to address it. And uh, and you probably, if you do want calf, lipos calf liposuction, you probably do want to speak to someone, um, a surgeon who who has experience of it, who um, can help, you know, can help you and um, can sort of give you some idea of what might be possible. And I'm probably not that guy. 
um, as I say, unless there's kind of like a localized issue or problem, specific problem, I might be able to do some liposuction to address that. But I don't think I would be great to address a sort of globally large thigh. I don't really think that's my uh, my bag. Um, and the other question, which I've been uh, stickered about, is can you liposuction the bottom to make it smaller, naturally big? There's an emoji there and shape and shape it. Right. Well, it's one of those can you kind of questions and sort of should you um so can you yes you can you can liposuction anywhere and there is fat in the bottom and you can liposuction the bottom um again the the bottom and the buttock contouring is not really an area that i've been um uh sort of focused on much i do mainly do breast and and tummy um but the issue with doing liposuction anywhere and for someone particularly someone like the uh the buttock you're sort you're sort of saying can you do liposuction to the buttock and shape it and those two things are sort of going against each other a bit because if you're doing liposuction to the bot buttock um, or anywhere you're going to remove volume and if you're going to remove volume you're going to create sag and so that's the problem um that's that would be the worry of doing liposuction to the buttock that you wouldn't shape it shape it usually means kind of tightening it and tightening it means either cutting out skin or adding volume. Adding volume tightens things, and uh, you know that's that's uh, the more traditional approach to buttocks is is adding volume to the buttocks to to tighten it and give it more shape. So I think the concern of doing liposuction to the buttocks is that it wouldn't have it would have an effect of making them smaller, but it might make it sag a bit, might make the skin sag if you didn't do any skin excision if you did do skin excision then that's really bad well again i don't do it so i'm probably not the person to talk to about it but the worry is putting buttock uh, scars on the buttock you know you kind of try and try and hide them so you put it in the crease in the buttock crease uh wound healing is a real problem um you can't sit on on that area for quite a while so it's just really difficult surgery difficult post-op um management and again you want someone who, who's doing this sort of thing a lot but i think um uh it, in general terms liposuction to the buttock to make it smaller might have an adverse effect on the shape so that might be something you think well oh, crikey if i want it smaller and shaped that's not i don't think going to be possible with liposuction people do do this um assisted liposuction vasa things like that which has got sort of energy assisted um delivery as well as the liposuction and they might say that it but the, and the energy is supposed to tighten the skin and um, that's kind of the idea about these energy um neg types of liposuction so um it might be worth looking at an energy liposuction maybe they do tighten the skin i've not seen fantastic results in in the terms of the skin tightening personally but I, as i said I, again i don't do that type of thing so probably worth talking to someone who does do that type of thing to get a uh, a, a view on whether that might be an option for the buttock uh, liposuction and shaping but um yeah difficult difficult areas and when you find that there's not much about it like calves and and buttocks and you know buttock liposuction and things it's probably because it's hard for us to get good results, so we don't do it very often. You know, the, the traditional areas, your tummy tucks, your breast lifts, your face lifts, you know, they are areas where we know we can get good results, we can kind of hide the scars, and, um, you know, that's that's why they're more common, really. So if it's not very common, you've got to think, mm, why is it not very common? 
Uh, I had a question up here. What scars will you be left with after a breast reduction? Thank you. So they do vary, the scarring. Um, now, pretty much all breast lifts, I say pretty much, I think probably all, I would say all breast lifts, uh, or, or rather, sorry, all breast reductions involve a lift. So if you're going to reduce the volume of the breast, you're going to tighten the skin envelope as well as reducing the size of the breast. You kind of have to tighten the skin. If you just reduce volume and didn't tighten the skin, they'd sag even more, a bit like going back to the buttock thing. If you just take volume out, if you do something like liposuction, for instance, to the breast and just take volume out, you're going to make it sag more. So you, as well as taking volume out, you've got to take skin out. Um, and that's going to cause scarring, you know, scarring on the skin. And the lift involves moving the nipple up to a higher place and tightening the skin envelope. So it's it's uh, always a scar around the nipple because you have to move the nipple. So that's a, that's a given. And there's usually a scar that goes um, vertically down from the nipple. And in my practice, that's kind of the minimum. And I would usually also put one in the fold of varying lengths, the horizontal one. Now, some people, when someone recently was asking me about having it with just a circumareolar scar, with just a scar around the nipple, and and again, scarring is not good, and if we could use less scarring, that would be better. The problem with doing less scarring is you take less skin out and you get less of a result. And in my hands, just putting a scar around the nipple for a breast reduction does not give a good shape to the breast. The scar is always puckered because you like taking a donut of skin out to, to tighten the skin. Um, and you're making a big circle into a small circle, so the scar's puckered, um, and, and it doesn't give good projection. It kind of flattens the breast, and it doesn't give good projection. So I don't particularly do that one. Um, the Some people will use the vertical scar quite a lot, so around the nipple and down, um, but I pretty much always put a scar in the fold as well, a horizontal scar in the fold as well. Um, if you're just doing a circum areola around the nipple and down scar, then the down scar allows you to take skin out in a side-to-side -side direction. If you're just doing a circumareola, you're just bunching the skin up. If you could do, once you put the down scar in, that means you can narrow the breast and take the skin out in a side-to-side -side direction. If you then put a horizontal scar in as well, so-called anchor or T-shaped scar, then you're taking out skin in an up-down direction as well as a side-to-side -side direction, and um, that can give a, a better shape. Um, and the problem, particularly if you've got a lot of skin, if you don't do that horizontal scarring, you worry about getting folds and things. And they say they do settle or they might need to be re re uh, revised at a second stage. But I think um, it's better to put that horizontal scar in personally um, and give a better shape. So I, my, my, the scarring for breast reduction for me is around the nipple, vertically down, and then also in the fold uh, where your bra sits inverted t-shaped scar anchor scar try and make the t as short as possible so try and make the horizontal scar as short as possible but the bigger the lift the more skin you've got to take out in an up down direction um the longer the horizontal scar so we'll always try and make it as short as possible uh but to be honest with you out of the three the horizontal scar is probably the one that's more obvious if you look at it but you often can't see it because it's kind of kind of hidden in the fold um and the ones at the top the, the sort of um one round the nipple and down are a bit more obvious um, than the others. So uh, my mum wants a small growth removed from her upper eyelid. Can we get her book in for a C and treat? Of course you can, Natalie. Of course you can. Book her in. What we do with the C and treats, Natalie, is we um, probably the best way to go about it is to send us a photo, and there should be a way. I think if you go on the website on the on the uh, mole page. 
I think there's a button that says WhatsApp as a photo, and it kind of goes to the WhatsApp to the to the um, clinic mobile. And uh, if you send us a photo, then we can give you an idea how much it costs, so you know how much it's going to cost kind of before you come. And then, um, and then, yeah, just book a see and treat appointment. That's fine. We'll we'll see you and and treat you. And uh, yeah, very very happy to do that, Natalie. That's what we need: a business doing business on the live. Yeah, doing business. Anyone else want to book in? Let me know. I'll put you in. Um, but uh, be very happy to do that, uh, Natalie. Uh, see you soon. Great. Yeah. So um, thank you. Um, Right, what's we got? I've got some questions loaded up here somewhere, which I will um, uh, see. I've got them on the screen on the uh, on the Facebook, but I, I can't do that on the um, and on and on um, YouTube, but I can't do it on the Instagram. Can't get it on the screen. But anyway, here we go. Why am I struggling to find a surgeon in the UK to see me following going abroad for surgery? Good question. We get a lot of this. Oh. Got a lot of it, and I got to be honest with you, I feel bad. I do. I feel bad. Um, the 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 problem is um, that if you have cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery, the way it's structured is different to other kinds of surgery. It's different than if you're having a hysterectomy or a hip replacement or a cataract or a hernia repair, because cosmetic surgery has a pricing structure which involves a fixed price package i've been thinking about this a lot and i think this is the nubbins of what it comes down to if you have another kind of surgery particularly if you're insured your insurance company will pay for you to have that surgery the hysterectomy the hernia whatever if you then need to see this, and they'll often have two or three, uh, or they'll have two uh, outpatient appointments or something included, which are all which are all included. But if you, but those two outpatient appointments, the surgeon will get paid for uh, by the insurance company. Your insurance company will cover a certain a certain amount of uh, amount of the problems. But if you have a problem, if you have to have to go back to theatre, if you have to have a uh, a revision if you're not happy with the way things look or or if you if you've got an issue and you need further surgery the insurance company will pay for that the surgeon will get paid for that the surgeon gets paid for every time you have an operation um so you know the in terms of the income as plastic surgeons people often look at us and see how much we get paid for an operation and think wow you get paid loads of money for an operation i don't get paid you know anywhere near that amount for my operations like saying yeah but we only get paid for that one operation that includes looking after this patient and making sure it's all right that includes making sure that you see them in clinic that includes making sure that if you need to do any revision surgery you do that revision surgery and you don't charge and that's part of the fixed price package the hospital doesn't charge the anesthetist doesn't charge and the surgeon doesn't charge if you need a revision of your surgery and that is all included in the price so if you go abroad and have surgery and then you come back a week or a month later and you're not happy with the results of the surgery, you, the amount of you have paid when you've gone abroad has included the aftercare. That is part of the amount that you've paid. You have paid for the aftercare abroad and you can't just then ring up and someone local and say, can I, you know, I'm not happy with the result. I had it last week or last month or, 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 or three months ago. And, it, and it's all gone, not doesn't look right. 
you, you're going to struggle to find a surgeon to take you on because we don't really have a structure where we can just take people on for the aftercare. We don't have a price where you say, okay, come and I'll uh, be £15,000, please, and uh, I'll see you in the clinic. You know, we just have consult. you know, we just have prices um, for, for the operations. And and it's often often more difficult, you know, to do revision surgery. It's often um, you don't know what the original surgeon's done, the scar tissue involved, you're obviously already unhappy, so you're kind of on a back foot. So it's it's a it's a difficult world to be in, and one that I think you know many surgeons, myself included, don't really relish the thought of um, taking on problems of surgery that may or may not have been done in a not great way. Um, and it's just really hard fixing problems. And it sounds really unhelpful to someone asking for help, but the honest answer is it's much better to do it right first time. I mean, I know that's unhelpful once you've had it all gone bad, but you know, you got you got to kind of question why there's such a range of prices for, for procedures. You know, often people say, there's no way I'm paying that. I'm going to go to Turkey or I'm going to go here or there because it's a fraction of the price. You're ripping me off, man. And you're like, yeah, I know it's a fraction of the price at other places. Um, I don't know why. You've got to ask yourself why. And maybe it's because there's a, a difference in terms of how how well they they perform their aftercare and revision, etc. Um, and maybe that's why it's more expensive here. And um, and so you can't kind of then pay the fraction of the price and they say, actually, you know what? Can I get it done here? Well, no, because all the people that I treat have paid the price that I've charged. And my duty is to look after them and make sure they're right. And I don't really want to take on um, other people's uh, issues and problems because that's their duty. That's their problem. And I think we've got, you know, yeah. Um, so I don't want to run into the next question. Donna, um, cannibalize my own questions. But um, but that's that's the the nubbins of it. We we don't have a structure where you get paid, you know, X for the surgery and then you get paid for each consultation. If you have the surgery, get paid again. You know, the, the amount you pay for the surgery is inflated because it includes the aftercare. Um, we don't really have a, a pay-as-you-go structure for, for cosmetic surgery. We have a one price, which includes all of the aftercare um, in it. And we don't really have a price for just the aftercare. So um, so that that's, that's the sort of... Um, the sort of... Um, logistics behind it but the actual the emotional side of it is it is always difficult surgery and it's always um you know it's it's always difficult getting involved with someone else's um you know problems and then this question says what should i do if i cannot contact my original surgeon following surgery and i have concerns well uh, again sadly i do hear this a lot and uh, it goes back to the thing i did about barbs barbs asked me to say what's the importance of having a barb surgeon and if you go with a reputable surgeon with a reputable reputable um uh clinic sort of outfit you will have somewhere to go if the surgeon has moved or dies or goes on holiday or retires or whatever you know, you will be able to go to the clinic or, or, or the BARPs or whatever to say, look, I can't get a hold of my surgeon. Um, can you help me? And they, if, if that surgeon is a member of, of, a, of a registered body like that, then they will be able to say, hold on a minute, this is a patient of yours you need to be looking after um, because we have a duty to patients to look after them. Um, 
if your surgeon is not a member of any of these sorts of organizations and if the um, clinic is not <clears throat> a sort of reputable clinic because if you can't get hold of the surgeon I mean, often the surgeon, um, it will be like the, the, the clinic or the clinic or, or the clinic nurse or what have you. So you often, you know, you may not have a direct link with the surgeon. I mean, it's quite rare to have a link with a surgeon like this. You know, like you got the link with the, the main guy here. <laughs> you know, you don't realize how, you know, rare that is. Direct link with the guy. He's here. That's him. That's him. Uh, but it's rare, yeah, it is rare to, to have a link direct with the surgeon. Um, but um, so it's not unusual to not have a direct link with the surgeon, but you should have a link with the clinic who can then talk to the surgeon and get back to you and then, you know, arrange for you to be able to see him and what have you. So it's really, if you kind of can't get hold of the surgeon, then you should go to the clinic or the facility where you had the surgery and say, look, what's, what's going on? Um, because it's sort of up to the clinic really to, um, to, to, to look after you if the individual surgeon's not uh, doing that, particularly if the surgeon just kind of works for a clinic because the, the surgeon might move on. But um, most of us want to kind of look after our patients. And um, I think most surgeons are quite keen to look after people. But I do hear stories of people not being able to get hold of their surgeons. But, um, but yeah, so what should you do? You should go to the clinic. Um, and then if you can't get hold of them at the clinic or if there's a problem with the clinic, then you should talk to, to well, ideally prior to surgery, look what, what registered bodies are there, members of BARPs, BAPRAS, things like that. Um, let's see what, what bodies they're, they're, uh, they're members of because there will be a code of conduct. We have a code of conduct that we are expected to uh, work within um, in those organisations. So that gives you another layer of um, accountability or recourse if you have any um, questions or anything you want to uh, bring up and you can't get directly access to your surgeon. Uh, when having a breast reduction with a free nipple graft, will the areola be made smaller? Yes. So when having a breast reduction, never mind free, free nipple graft, it's made smaller with all types of breast reduction because usually what happens with a breast reduction is that the skin is stretched when you've got big breasts. Breasts have made the, the breast bigger and that the, the, the areola is part of the breast skin. So the areola is often too big. So remove, um, reducing the areola is an integral part of uh, breast reduction and uh, whether whether it be with a free nipple graft or not. And um, and so, yeah, so that that is, um, usually we have a thing in theatre, which is like a circular thing, which is usually about four centimeters in diameter. You can have a view on it if you want and certainly talk about if you want to have it a certain size, your areola, if you want it a bit bigger or a bit smaller, but four centimeters kind of like the norm. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, there it is. Is it normal for my ankles and legs to swell after having a tummy tuck? I wonder if this is someone who's asked recently, because I'll tell you what, this heat, oh, my God, everything swells up, doesn't it? Your hands. Oh, my hands. Got to be careful if wearing rings, you know. Um but yeah, I mean, probably um, your things are swelling up if you're not moving. You, you got to you got to be moving. You got to keep moving. Keep your ankles. Keep your hips moving. Keep your knees moving. Um, when you are sitting, sit with your leg up, um, just to help if they are swollen. But uh, but everything kind of slows down after surgery. So yes, it is normal for for uh, for everything to swell up your ankles, your, your legs, as well as your tummy, of course. But uh, keeping mobile is really important. And if you're not keeping mobile, keep that, uh, keep everything moving.
uh, while you're watching telly. I am 65 and considering a breast lift and tummy tuck. Would I be suitable for a combined procedure due to my age? What are the risks? Things have changed a bit about age and it's become a bit more uh, sort of uh, pathology orientated rather than age orientated. We're becoming less ageist um, and more about how healthy you are. So kind of like if you're 64 and healthy and get out and about and, you know, go down the shops, driving, stuff like that, then should be fine. Uh, 65, sorry, not 64. But if you're like 50 and you've got like asthma and you can't breathe after going up a flight of steps and you're, you know, you've got heart problems and you're on medication, then that might be a problem. So it's more to do with your uh, medical condition rather than your age. I think in this day and age, 65 would not be considered to be, oh, crikey, oh, Lord. Oh, God. Epic. It's okay, everyone. I'm all right. It's okay. I'm all right. The, the, um, the, my, um, I'll be honest, my tripod is down there somewhere and it broke about six months ago. So I have been precariously, I'll be honest with you, it is precarious, Preca precariously putting my, precariously putting my, um, right, sorry. Oh, God, it's not going to be good for the ratings, this. Come on, guys. Get it back. Get it back. Right. Okay. Let's, um, okay, can we? Okay, we're coming to the end. Sorry about that. So, um, yes, um, right. Let's, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> we have to put it in a different angle because the uh, tripod is uh, currently under repair. So the tripod, it's on my list of things to do. I think it's, I, I did actually glue it and it didn't, uh, didn't work. Anyway, uh, God, what was I saying? Um, oh yeah, combined. Yeah, so 65, absolutely fine for a breast lift and a tummy tuck. Assuming you haven't got comorbidities, assuming you are um, medically fit. Uh, if you have got comorbidities, then obviously we'd have to look into that regardless of your age, but specifically about your age, it is not. Uh, it's it's not in its in itself going to be a problem. But having said that, we would talk to the anesthetist to make sure the anesthetist is happy. Because at the end of the day, to be honest, the anesthetist is going to need to be happy as well. Um, what actually more more important than me? Um, what are the risks? So the risks of a tummy tuck. Well, the main risks are uh, wound issues, wound healing problems, obviously scars. Not really risk scars are definite. Uh, but particularly with your age, things that we'd be worried about are things like TVT and PE due to not walking enough, really. So that goes back to walking, moving, keeping everything circulating because DVT, particularly with a tummy tuck, is a, is a big risk. Clots in your legs, which can fly off into your lungs from PE. So that's a big issue, DVT and PE. Chest infections. Um, yeah, those are the kind of risks. Uh, the other risks are kind of long-term asymmetries, uh, poor scarring, um, unhappy unhappiness with the size or the shape things like that so that with any sort of cosmetic surgery those are kind of risks i guess um but um but the big one for tummy tuck is dvt and pe so that's why we make a big deal about you moving and keeping everything circulating with those things so uh yeah. wow okay sorry about the uh camera malfunction um well, I will do my level best to have it fixed by next week, but I probably won't. I'll be honest with you. I probably won't have it fixed. It'll probably be still down there or I'll still 
I'll try and precariously to, um, put it next to the Facebook camera. Um, so if uh, that, that's it, I'm out. I'm out of questions. So I am going to go and um, have a cold bath. I suggest you do likewise. And I will be back same time, same place, Tuesday, 7 p.m. If you've got any questions, call me, email me, Instagram me, Facebook me, YouTube me, or do whatever you want. Um, e yeah, did I say email? And uh, I'll do my level best to answer them uh, in next week's um, installment. So uh, thanks for coming. Have a lovely evening. Enjoy the sunshine. And I will see you next week. So you have to stop them separately. So that was Facebook stopping. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.